Well, what's up, Metro? Welcome to the Metro Podcast. My name is Jillian, and I am on staff here at Metro, and I'm sitting here with Kylan. And this week, we wanted to talk more about this sermon series that we just began on Tuesday as we kicked off the fall semester. We started a new series called For the Love, where we are talking about God, romance, and relationships. And this is something that we have not talked about yet at Metro, and we're excited to dive in. So today, I have Kylan here. He's going to share a few extra thoughts that we did not talk about on Tuesday. So Kylan, what more do you have for us today? For the love. (laughs) We're doing it, people. God, romance, and relationships. We're really excited about this series. If you get, if you didn't get a chance to jump in with us on night one, you should go and stream the talk. We're really believing in this. We understand it is so culturally relevant, not just to the world and to our generation, but particularly to the people in our room. And so we wanted to inject our voice into a conversation that's been had and been had really well. This topic is extensively explored. It has been thoroughly discussed. And yet we think that just studying the culture, there's, there's things today that we need to speak into for the benefit, our people, for the benefit of our people. And so as we approach this series, we knew that oftentimes what believers do is they ask the question, well, what does God have to say about relationships? But we wanted to turn the question a little bit and say, what does what do our relationships say about God? Right. And so that's why at the beginning of the night, we had to understand what, what does our culture say about love? What does our culture, our society, our generation say about romance and relationships? And we unpacked a bunch of data and research because we wanted to say, hey, this is what the world is saying is true. Now, what does that say about God? And what we learned by way of that, just for a quick recap, is that we often, as a culture, we're approaching love to meet three needs within the hearts of uh, within the hearts of of all people a need for fulfillment a need for meaningful connection and a need for self actualization what does that mean fulfillment i'm not complete as i am i don't like who i am and i need someone to step in and make up the difference right meaningful connection that i want to be deeply intertwined with someone not just not just mentally, I don't just need to know them, not just physically, I need to be able to touch them, but emotionally, I need to feel connected to them in such a way that it meets the deep needs of my heart. And then self-actualization, which is a, a big idea, but it's just this premise that, man, I have potential that I want to reach. And so we're looking to love to help us meet these basic needs. And yet what the Bible tells us is it's not love with another person that meets these needs. It's love with God that meets them instead. So we jumped into that. And yet here in this moment, there are several ideas I want to I want to share with us that I think may clarify a few ideas and then also things that we didn't really get to discuss in our time together. So uh, the first thing that I need to do, and it was funny, literally on Tuesday night, I go home, I go to bed, I'm charged up, energized. I feel great kicking off a new semester with our people. And then I wake up at 2.30 in the morning And I have this like moment of panic because I realized I said the wrong Hebrew word for soul in the middle of my sermon. So many of you may not have caught that. If you're fluent in Hebrew, props to you. And I'm so sorry that I deserved you. Let me just for the sake of accuracy, because we always want to be accurate in rightly expositing uh, expositing the word of God. Let me just be very clear. Uh, The word used in Genesis 2-7 is the word neshama and not nefesh. Both words are used in Genesis 2-7. Mm-hmm. I talked about nefesh, which is a word for soul or breath. 
the word that I was referencing in that moment is neshama, which is also a word for soul or breath. Uh, in the Hebrew, there are five words for soul. And as we look at these two, they have very similar meanings. There's some nuance difference, and yet it doesn't change the point that we made in the sermon that God breathes. He exudes his essence into Adam, into man, which is love. That's who God is. God is love according to the apostle John in 1 John 4. And so when God breathes, he's doing so into Adam. He's imparting his own love into Adam. So many of us, we want to find fulfillment in love. And the reason we taught this point is because God has already filled you with love. He's breathed his neshama, his essence, his soul, his breath into you which is love. So just wanted to clarify that that probably doesn't mean much to you. And yet I just, I want to be really clear and accurate in the things we say. And so forgive me for saying the wrong Hebrew word for soul. Uh, but let this just clean up, uh, clean up the mistake. Uh, a couple of other things that I think are good. We talked a little bit about how marriage it's an example of mankind's need for unity of diversity that we're meant to be one with someone or others that are not like us. We see that in the story of Adam and Eve, we see that Adam's alone and it's not good. And so God makes for him a helper that's fit for him. And yet what you see is that though they are both human, one is man and one is woman, that they are the same and yet still different. He makes, an he makes another that's not like Adam to help Adam. It fills Adam up and then it sends Adam out. They're able to accomplish God's purposes for the world. That though they're different, they're two unified together. The two become one flesh. And I love that it happens in marriage and yet it doesn't just happen in marriage. This is creating a bigger theme. It's painting a bigger picture that's ultimately speaking about Christ and the church. That's what Paul gets into in Ephesians 5. He says this mystery is profound, but it speaks of Christ and the church that we're a unified body, though many different parts, though we are different, we are still one. So I just want to clarify that yeah. idea because I think it's so important. So many of us, we're looking for someone to fill up what is lacking <laughs> in us. And yet you don't need to find a romantic partner, a spouse, a significant other to make up what's lacking because the diversity of God's people has been assigned to accomplish that for you, that we're unified in Christ. So just to be clear on that point, uh, one, one other thought that I think may be good. Uh, we talked a little bit in our sermon about singleness and, uh, and, and listen, like I, I won't dive into singleness in this series. Uh, the reason for that is not because it is unimportant. It's very important. And yet if you've not listened to Ben Stewart's sermon on how to thrive in your singleness, I just want to point you there. I just want to tell you to go listen to it because it is amazing. He unpacks it so thoroughly and he leaves really, he leaves really no stone unturned. And he, he gives great vision for what is supposed to be true of our single years. And yet the one thing that we talked about in our sermon, which I think is so important. And I just want to reiterate it here because I know many singles are tracking along with us is that God has purpose for Adam in his singleness. Adam is single less time than anyone else in all human history. And yet God says, hey, it's not good for you to be alone, but here's a job for you to do before I give you a helper. 
And many of us, we're looking at our singleness and we're wanting to find someone that we can run through life with. And yet God has called us to a specific purpose right now. He has given us a job to do. And like Adam, we should step into it, right? What we'll find if we do so is we get to become a part of God's work in the world as God fashions a worker fit for us in his own timing. So those are a couple of thoughts. Hopefully that's helpful. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's so good. I'm really glad that we get to hear just more thoughts that you have that you didn't have time to talk about. So like Kylan said, if you haven't heard the podcast or the sermon yet, go back one episode in the podcast and tune in. Um, but before we end, we do have a couple Instagram questions that came in today about the podcast. I mean, about the sermon. So um, the first question is, how do you deal with six or six plus months of sexual tension with someone who is not ready to date? Okay. For whoever's asking this question, or if this feels, feels like your situation, track with us in the series, because we're going to get into this, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to be that from here forward, we talked a lot night one about love and the fact that the fulfillment of our needs is not found in a romantic partner. It's found in God. We are going to be talking about romance and relationships from here forward this next week. We're going to be talking about standards. And so you're going to want to show up for it because as we make our way through the series, we're going to answer questions like this. But, but I do have a couple things I can say about this. I think that the way the questions phrase is interesting what, how do I deal with six months of sexual tension when someone's not ready to date with me? Is that right? Yes. When they're not ready to date. Yeah. So the idea of tension, it's two opposing forces applied on like different sides of an object. That's what creates tension. Mm -hmm. It's two opposite forces pulling in different directions that places an object under duress. And so the only way that tension gets relieved is one force ultimately overpowers the other. And so for whoever's asking this question, I would put forward to you, you need to identify what are the opposing forces in this situation. In the life of a believer, it's often one's, one's desire, typically physical, opposed to their obedience, mm -hmm. which is often spiritual. And so how do we relieve this? Uh, we create boundaries, that's what we do, which seems really simple. And yet it's really difficult to apply. We minimize unnecessary temptation and we maximize our personal devotion to God. The Puritans, they used to say, you, you mortify the flesh and you vivify the spirit. The idea there being is you take out something bad and you replace it with something good. And so if you're living in sexual tension or frustration, it's probably because you're living in sexual temptation. And so a couple of scriptures to just be helpful on this. Second Timothy 2.22 is the one that immediately springs to mind. Flee youthful lusts and passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from pure heart. Flee it. Get away from it. Increase your proximity to God, and in doing so, you will decrease your proximity to temptation. Romans 13.14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't make provision for it. Get away from it. 1 Corinthians 7, 8, 9, it says it is better to marry than to burn, which many of us are familiar <laughs> with. It's better to marry than burn with what Paul is referring to as unfulfilled sexual passion. And so the tension you're feeling is actually, it's, it's there for purpose. It's meant to drive you towards relationship. That's what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians. And yet, if you're not moving forward in relationship, and ultimately, sexual tension should push you towards marriage. 
if it's not doing those things, then all it's doing is, is creating an unnecessary struggle that you should release yourself from. Yeah. Well, that's so good, Kylan. Thank you for sharing all that. I think it's going to be really helpful to our people and, yeah. and whoever is able to tune in. So we hope you can come back and be with us next Tuesday as we continue our series for the love. Uh, we're excited to hear from Kylan next week again and just seeing what the word has um, at Metro is really exciting. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. We love you and we're for you. We'll see you later. See ya.